The following presentation of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions is from a previous broadcast and is a production of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Some portions of this show may have included promotions or giveaways that were time-sensitive and may no longer be applicable. To listen and download more of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on Recovery Workshops. I've got to give it up. The views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. And a good day to you, my friends and uh, recovery family. And as I say in some of the other shows, welcome to all of those of you who are in recovery, advocates of, and perhaps should be. Welcome to TakeTalkRadio.com on your internet dial and to walking through the 12 steps and 12 traditions with our good friend, Chris Schroeder. Hey, buddy. Hey, Monty. How are you doing this week? Uh, it, it's been an excellent week. Well, I have in my hand here my little exercise squeeze ball thing that I got in my in my swag bag from Serenity Springs Recovery Center. Um, and I was just looking at, at this thing. Uh, boy, we sure had a fun time there, didn't we? You know, they do it right down there. Uh, they were very uh, hospitable to us. Uh, Really, really nice line affair to, to be part of uh, part of the whole thing. They're very closely aligned and attached with Origins. You know, one of the one of the, if not the best, one of the best uh, yeah. treatment centers on the planet. And you know, just being around those people uh, is, you know, some of that stuff can rub off on you. You know, some of that, some of that amazing. Really, yeah, it can. Fun. Supposedly, one of the most remarkable conferences that's ever existed. I mean, I'm getting such great feedback from everybody that was there. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. I, I, I've gotten uh, usually, I, you know, I get a fair amount of emails every week, but I've gotten some phone calls, and and people are blown away. It, it's like, okay, yeah, we talked about this stuff. We perhaps we talked about this stuff 20 years ago, but we've never had. The uh, the people in 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 the right positions, uh, ready to to march forth uh, with this thing that we have today, and, and, and it's just so exciting. And what I, what I'm talking about, listeners, is the is the ability to sit down and communicate on a mature level with the clinicians and the twelve steppers, bringing us together on the same side, so we can finally. <sighs> finally do something about this addiction thing that really is lasting and uh you know sit at, sit at the same table yeah. now you know we used to sit at the same table 
uh, the, uh, I'm speaking as uh, as a as a recovered uh, recovered alcoholic. Yeah, we used to sit at the same table as the clinicians without any problem at all. Uh, the twelve step people. Uh, you talk, you look at say Father Martin, uh, the guy who put Father Martin Ashley's together. Sure, he got he got uh, he got treatment in the late fifties from a man named Austin Ripley who was a huge member of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote a bunch of pamphlets. I believe he's the guy that wrote A Member's Eye View. Uh, the, the, the okay. Uh, and, and, and Father Martin learned everything he needed to know right there from that guy. And, uh, and, he, and that guy was, uh, was using Alcoholics Anonymous principles in his treatment program for priests. And, you know, this was the late 50s. So we used to sit at the same table, Monty. What, what's happened is with more and more research and more and more clinical trials and more and more uh, big pharma and more and more psychiatric and medical doctor uh, involvement, what's, what's happened is, is somebody started to look at the spiritual processes in the book Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 and 12, what, we, what we're going to talk about today, uh, they started to look at that as antiquated and quaint, you know, religious-esque stuff, but not anywhere near as important or valid mm. as the scientific research being done right now. And, and the fact of the matter is, is if you use outcomes, if you use what works and what doesn't, a lot of this stuff that they're claiming has evidence-based is just nowhere near as effective as the old school AA style, and and you know what, the clinicians are going to have to start paying attention to that because they can't continue to charge money for stuff that doesn't work, and and the people in the twelve step uh, uh, fellowships need to need to once again. Uh, 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 become uh, friendly with the treatment professionals because the still sick and suffering are in those treatment centers. And if, if we're truly going to be about the business of our primary purpose, you know, to, to help others recover from alcoholism or drug addiction, if we're going to be about that primary purpose, then we need to gain access to the sick and suffering. Yeah. So we, we need to go in and we need to cooperate with not become aligned with, but cooperate with, uh, so that so that the message of recovery can be carried in those uh, in those treatment institutions. Because it, it's becoming less less likely that AA and ACA meetings uh, are in treatment centers than it used to be, and that is a crime. What that's going to do is that's going to make uh, that's going to make it less likely for everybody to have profitable treatment episodes. Well, and, and here, here's something that I, I'm i so excited that we are have been doing these shows, walking through the big book and walking through the 12 by 12, because um, if today's 12-step support meetings uh, aren't following the program that was laid out so well and, and guided by our creator, uh, you and I both believe that, uh, if they're not following that, then it's it's kind of a it's almost that you don't want to throw your hands up and go, well, what's the use? So we've got to get back to that too. I mean, I mean, it's not just a treatment facility. We've got to get back there, right? Yeah, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right because 
not every meeting is a good meeting. I don't care what anybody says. Not everybody. Every meeting is a good meeting. Right. What happened? What happened locally around here is there's a there's a there's a new detox that went into business. Uh, it's really Monty. I really like this 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 detox. It's called it's called Sunrise House, and its its tagline is detox with dignity. You get your own room, a flat screen TV. They do not cut you off from phone and internet. You know, they allow you a certain amount of time to stay in touch with the outside world, but they keep you focused for the most part on, uh, on, on detoxing and then figuring out what, what's, what's the best thing to do with you when you're done. And they want five days. They're not like the hospitals that just want to give you like six hours and as soon as your blood pressure is, is, in a safe, is safe, kick you out of the door still high. They understand that putting somebody back out on the street still high uh, and or still needing detoxing is a bad idea. So anyway, these people did what you're supposed to do, and what they did was they went to Alcoholics Anonymous's uh, uh, central office here in New Jersey, and they said uh, they said we are interested in having an AA meeting come in. Now, what the central office did in New Jersey is it picked the absolute worst possible meeting it could have in a million years. This was the worst group uh, in northern <laughs> New Jersey. It was the 7.30 in the morning, you know, uh, lunatic meeting. And, and for some crazy reason, these people at the central office said, okay, this is the group that we're going to ask to help you out. Well, well three meetings in... The detox said, wait a minute, wait a minute, these people are insane. Stop. Stop coming. We want to have <laughs> nothing more to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. These people are idiots. Okay? <laughs> That's what happens. So, so all of a sudden, now you don't have any meeting at the best detox in New Jersey. There, there's, the, you know, they, they shunned Alcoholics Anonymous because Alcoholics Anonymous was supposed to send them a good meeting and send them idiots from the worst possible meeting in the state, okay? Now, now th think about that. How, think about the damage done. And a lot of times the damage is done by people who are, who are members of service commitments who've never gone to the steps themselves. Right. And no message to carry. You know, they're about the business of carrying no message. They're, 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 they're carrying the message of step zero. And it's just, it's absolutely, absolutely horrible, uh, horrible when, uh, when really uninformed, inexperienced, unrecovered service group people make mistakes of that magnitude. Yeah, yeah, that, that happened with our, with our, our county jail here, uh, too. Same exact, uh, almost the uh, same exact experience. People came in and, they uh, they were rude to the the sheriffs. They were rude to the deputies. They they didn't have a clue on how to act. They didn't have any basic life skills. They hadn't gone through the steps. Horrible. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely horrible decisions being made by by our trusted servants. You know, or supposedly, you know, each of these twelve uh, step organizations have what are known as trusted servants servants in these in these uh, service lots. So. You know, I got, I got to tell you, it's it's uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what I don't know what to do about it. You know, a lot of a lot of people say when someone has a problem, you know, uh, uh, you, you should become part of. Uh, but uh, joining joining a really 
sick organization just to try to fight it better is sometimes a waste of time. Sometimes you can be you can be doing a lot lot more, you know, working on the outside of the organization rather than in it. Yeah. You know, where where it's really sick. And you know, there are certain states where the service structures of these twelve step fellowships are strong. And then there's then there's areas where they are pathetic. And uh, you know, New Jersey is, is one of the areas where <laughs> where uh the service structure is absolutely pathetic. Well, uh my my friend, uh you know, thank thank goodness you're there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Well, I mean, I'm thank part you, of any of that. No, but I mean, thank goodness that you are in that part of the country where where uh, maybe some of your experience can rub off on a few of these nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I, at least, well, you know, what I try to do is do as little damage as possible. Right. There you go. You know, you know you what go. I mean? Sometimes that's the best I can do. Well, let's do some damage today in a in a fun, positive way. I, I want to uh, start out this show. This is a little un, unusual uh, for us listeners, but <clears throat> for for this uh, workshop. But uh, we are we are uh, to 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 quote a a, a new modern day uh, term. We are unpacking Tradition Ten uh, this week. And Tradition 10 states, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name will never be drawn into public controversy. I met a gentleman many years ago who really is probably one of the, uh, uh, what would you call it, one of the pioneers of um, recovery music. This guy is hilarious. Uh, he's not a comedian like Mark Lundholm, but he's a comedian. Uh, he's a comedic musician. And uh, I wanted to play this song. It's by Michael Purrington and his, uh, his group, 12-step uh, band called The Messengers. This song is called Outside Issues. And I just, this tradition and this song go so beautifully together. I could not resist playing this for you, Chris, and for okay. the listeners today. So we're going to start out with this song for this, okay? Okay, I'm, I can't wait. All right, here we go. Here's Michael Purrington and the Messengers, Outside Issues. That first time I went to a meeting, they said anything that ain't about drinking is outside issues. Smoking blow, they shook their heads, said no, 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 that's an outside issue.
Okay, buddy, what do you think about that? <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> oh, I just, I just love that guy and all of his music. He's got some serious music too, uh, but but majority of his music on all of his albums are like that. All right, buddy. Well, on that note, launch us forth there, Chris. <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, we're on Tradition Ten, and we're <laughs> Tradition Ten. Places he says Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name would never be drawn into public controversy. You know, uh, it, it, the song plays a lot of fun on, uh, on, on life situations being outside issues. And there, there's, two, there's two schools of thought on that, Monty. One of them is, is, is if you're alcoholic and you're an unrecovered alcoholic, practically everything you're involved with is symptomatic of untreated alcoholism. So sure. it's all appropriate. Yeah. And then there are people then there are people in meetings that only want you to talk about the solution. They want you to talk directly about alcoholism and directly about the solution. Please don't update us on where your divorce is right now. You know, so there there's there's a spectrum and you know I like I like the way uh, somebody described to me way back when they said they said twelve step meetings are like bars. <laughs> You're not going to go in and drink at every single bar in town. There are certain bars that you're not going to feel comfortable in, and there's going to be certain bars where you're going to feel kind of at home. And it can be the same way with uh, with the twelve step fellowship meetings. You got to look around. I once heard somebody said, you know, you know the term ninety and ninety money. Right. Somebody told me that came from that came out of the '60s or whatever, where you would do 90 different meetings in your first 90 days, so that you could figure out which which meetings you want to go to. Ah, because if you get stuck going to meetings that are that are pathetically dull or or filled with people who you know uh, uh, who, are, who are heavy drinkers or, or whatever. You are you're not gonna feel at home. You're not gonna be as interested in and sure. chance you uh, you know backing away from uh, the fellowship that could save your life is greater. So find the, find the meetings that you know you feel comfortable in, and you know or create the fellowship you crave. Uh, you know yeah. uh, that's another directive in the in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. If 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 you need a, a certain type of uh, uh, of recovery support group, then go make that. You know, do mm-hmm. it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's instructions in the book Alcoholics Anonymous to go do that. So uh, so I know many people that have. And, and you got and, you, you got to sometimes you know it, it's really not fair to make a judgment call on something whether it's your synagogue, your church, your Rotary Club meeting, Boy Scouts, AA, whatever it is. By just going to a couple of meetings, you need, you need to go to more to to just to really give it a fair chance. There's probably 10 million people in America today who've had serious drinking problems, whether or not they were alcoholic or not. They had serious drinking problems. Yeah. Who are walking who are walking around saying AA sucks or AA, AA, AA you know was no good or I, I it didn't work for me or you know all they did was complain. I mean, I've heard I've heard all of the all of that uh, uh, from people. And you know, if you start asking them questions, you know, they went to the to the one meeting, you know, on <laughs> Thursday night at the hospital or, or some yeah, bottle yeah. thing, you know, <laughs> and, and 
so they truly they believe that they know what AA is uh, because of their exposure to one really bad group. You know, I know, I, you know, uh, I know that that nine out of ten support group meetings leave a lot to be desired, and every once in a while, there's something that you could describe as a pocket of enthusiasm, where some really strong recovery work is going on. Now, you gotta sometimes you gotta search out those particular meetings. They're usually literature based. If you're looking around in AA, it's usually a big book meeting that's going to be real powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're looking around in CA or, or, or NA, you know, it's going to be something directly uh, related to the recovery literature of that specific fellowship. So you have to you have to kind of be smart about it. Uh, you know, you know, many people got real lazy uh, between the fifties and and uh, uh, and today, uh, and and figured you know let's just let's just do a discussion meeting where we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. And you know, a lot of times those are not the meetings you want to go to if you want to find a recovery experience. Those are the meetings that you want to go to once you've had a recovery experience, and you just feel like rubbing up on your people. Sure, you know sure. I mean? Yeah, you bet. If that makes any sense. So let's get started on uh, on uh, Tradition 10. Uh, this is on page 176 of the 12 and 12. Never since it began has Alcoholics Anonymous been divided by a major controversial issue, nor has our fellowship ever publicly taken sides on any questions in an embattled world. This, however, has been no earned virtue. It could almost be said that we were born with it, for, as one old-timer recently declared, practically never have I heard a heated religious, political, or reform argument among AA members. So long as we don't argue these matters privately, it's a cinch we never shall publicly. As by some deep instinct we AAs have known from the very beginning that we must never, no matter what the provocation, publicly take sides in any fight, even a worthy one. All history affords us the spectacle of striving nations and groups finally torn asunder because they were designed for or tempted into controversy. Others fell apart because of sheer self-righteousness while trying to enforce upon the rest of mankind some millennium of their own specification. In our own times, we have seen millions die in political and economic wars, often spurred by religious and racial difference. We live in the imminent possibility of a fresh holocaust to determine how men shall be governed and how the products of nature and toil shall be divided among them. That is the spiritual climate in which AA was born, and by God's grace has nevertheless flourished. Let us reemphasize that this reluctance to fight one another or anybody else is not counted as some special virtue which makes us feel superior to other people. Nor does it mean that the members of Alcoholics Anonymous, now restored as citizens of the world, are going to back away from their individual responsibilities to act as they see right upon issues of our time. But when it comes to AA as a whole, that's quite a different matter. In this respect, we do not enter into public controversy because we know that our society will perish if it does. We conceive the survival uh, and spread of Alcoholics Anonymous to be something of far greater importance than the weight we could collectively throw back on any other cause. Since recovery from alcoholism is life itself, uh, it, it is imperative that we persevere in full strength, our means of survival, or preserve in full strength, our means of survival. That, that's that's really absolutely true. You know, when you're in one of these support groups, Monty, a, a lot of times, a lot of times there are certain certain things that are just kind of off limits. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you just don't. 
you don't bring up <clears throat> you don't bring up the uh, the political issues of the day and on who voted on what. I mean, it, you know, you might you might be upset about that. You know, you might say real briefly. You know, I I was watching TV. I'm I'm in early recovery, and I was watching TV. It depressed me so much. What what uh, Senator so-and-so did or President so-and-so said, I felt like drinking. Um, I, I get that. I, I, I understand that. But when people go on these rants, uh, I was in a meeting the other day, and this guy's sharing, well, he shares on the same thing every time, about about how his his daughter is in the hospital because of some uh, uh, decision with Medicare, uh, and now she's going to lose her legs, and on and on it went. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't get that. And, and I suppose it's something that's on his heart, and, and, it, and, it, and it's bothering him a lot. But the guy's been in the fellowship for like twenty, twenty-eight years. You know what? What can also happen is is when somebody speaks inappropriately. Let's let's say you know they they start slamming the Democrats or the Republicans, right? Or they start, or they start you know saying that that their their form of religion is is where everyone should end up who you know who is in recovery or something like that. Now, even the people who are on their side, right, are are going to have a hard time. Yep, because. They recognize that it's inappropriate. You know, we are, we are, you know, we have to see all of this as we're all in the same lifeboat. What good would a fist fight do in a lifeboat? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really good, that's a really good example. So, uh, so, so again, you know, uh, elder statesmen and maybe not bleeding deacons, but the elder statesmen, Will will uh, will school somebody who uh, who steps over the line and becomes becomes inappropriate because you know there is a, there is basically an innate uh, understanding that we all need to stick together. We can't form divisions. We need we need all of us because because we cannot do it alone. You know we will we will die on our own. So we need to stick together. And, you know, there are certain things that are appropriate and there are certain things that aren't, you know. So, so again, and, you know, looking at this particular tradition, uh, uh, there were some things that were going on in the early days uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous. There was, there was people that really would have loved to have, you know, Bill Wilson sponsor something, you know. Sure. As the, as the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson is, has joined the Temperance Society of Atlanta. I mean, you know, there, there were plenty of people that wanted to. It, it, as a matter of fact, uh, Bill and Bob both joined the National Council on Alcoholism. I, I'm actually a board member this morning, NCADD, the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. It was started by Marty Mann, and both Bill and Bob joined it and got, uh, got a lot of criticism because it put them in the public eye. So they believed in the cause and didn't think that there was anything wrong belonging to it. But when all of a sudden their last name and pictures, you know, were going to appear uh, uh, in in print media and stuff like that, they said, you know what, Marty, you go ahead and do it. I understand that you started this and this is close to your heart, but you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to step aside. And uh, that's kind of what they did. So you know. Uh, 
they were very, very careful to protect uh, Alcoholics Anonymous from these, from these, you know, public controversies. Right now, here's a good story, Monty. Here's a, here's an interesting story. Now, the person who started uh, started Rational Recovery, okay, uh, uh, got drunk and crashed into a family. And in the, and killed a bunch of people in this family in this drunken drive, driving accident and ended up in prison for for quite some time. Now now in the early days, you know, people would go to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, World Service Office in New York and say, you know, what is your opinion on rational recovery? What is your what is your opinion on smart recovery? And the answer was always the same: we have no we have no opinion on that. We're we're, we're not we're not going to speak to that. Now, now, when uh, when this woman crashed into a bunch of people, they went running to the New York office and said, "Say, hey, this woman who was very critical of Alcoholics Anonymous and started a uh, an opposing uh, recovery program has has crashed into a, a family of people, and you know, well, what what do you have to say about this?" And Alcoholics Anonymous said, "Well, we have no opinion on that. That's we're not gonna we're not gonna speak to that." And that's always the response. When it has to do with things that aren't directly related to Alcoholics Anonymous, that's always the response from from you know their their public relations response, and they do not want to be categorized or tied into anything uh, because they see the inherent dam- damage of splitting yeah uh, splitting people because of that. Well, and because if they if they say something against it. They're, they're, they, they appear to represent all of AA. If they say something for it, they appear to make AA look like it's siding with them. I mean, I think this is why, I mean, I, I understand it's our public relations policy. I understand that it's uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole. But as individuals, what regardless of what program you're in, I think it is wise to be very, very vigilant about your tongue uh, when you are even discussing one-on-one your opinion about anything and make sure that people know, I mean, especially if you're talking about recovery issues, that this is your opinion. This is not the opinion of AA or NA or whatever, that this is your personal opinion. Uh, I, I, You know as well as I do and the listeners, I'm very opinionated. But I always make sure at the beginning of every show that we have a disclaimer. And sometimes I think we could use a disclaimer before we speak. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, um, again, uh, you know, ho- hopefully you have a you have a kind of a disclaimer in the beginning of the show, Monty, uh, and that's that's absolutely appropriate because. You know, we're, we're, we're sharing some of our understanding, so maybe some of our experience and our strength where it concerns this, this, this literature. But in absolutely no way should any of our opinions be considered definitive. Right. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous opinions, you know, uh, that, that would be, uh, that would be, uh, really, really wrong, uh, for us to, to imply that in any way. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, maybe this sounds as though the alcoholics in AA had suddenly gone peaceable and become one great big happy family. Of course, this isn't so at all. Human beings that we are, we squabble. Before we leveled off a bit, AA looked more like one prodigious squabble than anything else, at least on the surface. 
A corporation director who had just voted a company expenditure of $100,000 would appear in an AA business meeting and blow his top over the outlay of $20 worth of needed postage stamps. Disliking the attempt of some to manage a group, half its membership might angrily rush off to form another group more to their liking. Elders temporarily turned Pharisee have sulked. Bitter attacks have been uh, directed against people suspected of mixed, mixed motives. Despite their den, our puny rose never did AA a particle of harm. They were just part and parcel of learning to work and live together. Let it be noted, too, that they were almost always concerned with ways to make AA more effective, how to do the most good for the most alcoholics. Now, Monty, here's the uh, Washingtonian lesson. The Washingtonian Society, a movement among alcoholics, which started in Baltimore a century ago, almost discovered the answer to alcoholism. At first, the society was composed entirely of alcoholics trying to help one another. The early members foresaw that they should dedicate themselves to this sole aim. In many respects, the Washingtonians were akin to AA today. Their membership passed the 100,000 mark. Had they been left to themselves and had they stuck to their one goal, they might have found the rest of the answer. But this didn't happen. Instead, the Washingtonians permitted politicians and reformers, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, to use their society for their own purposes. Abolition of slavery, for example, was a stormy political issue then. Soon, Washingtonian speakers uh, violently and publicly took sides on this question. Maybe the society could have survived the abolition controversy, but it didn't have a chance from the moment it determined to reform America's drinking habits. When the Washingtonians became temperance crusaders, within a few years, very few years, they had completely lost their effectiveness in helping alcoholics. And within four years, Monty, they were completely gone. Yeah, wow. The lesson to be learned from the Washingtonians was not overlooked by Alcoholics Anonymous. As we surveyed the wreck of that movement, early AA members resolved to keep our society out of public controversy. This was laid, uh, thus was laid the cornerstone for Tradition 10. Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Don't you find it uh, absolutely, I do, I find it absolutely remarkable uh, and and amazing. The, we're talking about a group of people that for for many of us should be dead, for the ones that aren't should be in a mental institution permanently, and, and and the others certainly not have any basic life skills whatsoever, can come up with this stuff. I mean, here Bill Wilson is. I mean, I know that there's there's thousands that are involved in in the traditions and in service work and so forth that didn't write this stuff, but they're, that are in, in agreement with this stuff, and we actually make sense of it. We're actually able to uh, continue the, the, this wonderful fellowship and the program without totally killing each other. It absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I, 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 I mean, and we've all we've all experienced the business meeting from hell. I, I'm sure we have, um, where it's it appeared that everything was going in completely the opposite direction of any kind of uh, tradition boundaries or tradition suggestions or anything, and yet we survived it. Uh, what, what do you give credit to for that? You know, primary purpose, singleness of purpose, is certainly important. But there's, there's a God-given protection veil, yeah. I believe, over, over these fellowships, Monty. 
because they're doing such good. And pe- people are not only getting better and surviving a progressively fatal illness, but they're they're coming to uh, develop a personal relationship with God. So there's something, there's a divine characteristic about these fellowships as mm-hmm. well. That's one of the reasons why why churches have embraced these fellowships and 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 offered them, you know, twenty dollar a month rents <laughs> yeah. to have their have their meetings in their in their church halls when it costs two hundred to heat it, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I know what you're saying, and I, I believe I believe that there's uh, there's a, a grand protectorate above these fellowships. You bet. You bet. I, there has to be. It's it's got to be a power greater in ourselves because otherwise we we we, <laughs> we we would be dueling pistols, man. It's just you know. Uh, I also I also find it very interesting what attracts people to uh, to business meetings, uh, food and well used to be the topic of non smoking meetings. Now that's not so much an issue anymore. But man, y'all for food. I don't care what it is. It, people show up. <laughs> They just do. <laughs> um, okay, so next week we're probably one of my favorite traditions to talk about uh, is Tradition Eleven, our public relations policy. And I wish people would would actually read that part and hear it loudly. It's our public relations policy that is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Now, this is one of the reason that I'm so excited about next week is because I I get uh, I I get comments now and then, uh, not so much in the last year, but in the last eight year, uh, years, eight years prior to that, um, for a long time. Oh, aren't you breaking traditions? Aren't aren't you know? I, I can point this tradition break and this tradition break and so on and so forth. Because you're doing radio, and, and I'm not going to go into that this week about the answer to that, but we have an answer to that, and uh, it's really quite simple, actually. Um, but this is one of my favorite ones to talk about because of what we do here at Take12Radio.com, and I just want people to kind of a uh, a, a a segue into next week to really understand. What we're going to be talking about is our public relations policy. Just keep that in, in the back of your head. Because uh, yeah. a, a lot of people get th- this confused with uh, other things. And so that, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, my friend, anything else to add uh, this week? No, no, this is, a, this is a good show. I really enjoyed it, Monty. Thanks. All right, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Chris Schroeder. And we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs>